I shall hereby relate a circumstance that occurred during the passage to England, which will show, in a strong point of view, the freedom that subsisted between him and those of his attendants in whom he had confidence. A conversation took place respecting the relative state of cultivation in France and in England. My opinion being asked, I said that though the climate of France was much superior to that of England, I believed that agriculture had arrived at a greater state of perfection with us than in France. Most of the Frenchmen treated the idea with ridicule, upon which I said, let us refer to Monsieur Lascazes, who has lived several years in England. You are right, said he. There can be no doubt that agriculture has arrived to much greater perfection in England than in France. But what I admire most in England are the country seats of your noblemen and gentlemen, there you surpass France very much. General Bertrand then took up the conversation and said that he was assured that 30,000 pounds sterling was annually expended on the parking grounds of Blenheim. Bonaparte immediately reduced that sum into levers and observed, The thing is impossible. The English people are not fools. They know the value of money, and no individual either could or would expend such a sum for such a purpose. He then spoke of the expense of keeping up mummies on one of the country palaces in France, stating the sum it cost annually, which did not exceed £5,000. Bertrand still persisted in his statement and made a reference to me. I, however, could give no information further than saying that from what I had heard of the Duke of Marlborough's finances, he could not possibly lay out any such sum on Blenheim. Monsieur Bertrand would not give up the point, but repeated his assertion, on which Bonaparte said with quickness, Bah! C'est impossible! Oh, said Bertrand, much offended, if you are to reply in that manner, there is an end of our argument. And for some time would not converse with him. Bonaparte, so far from taking umbrage, did all he could to soothe him and restore him to good humor, which was not very difficult to effect. One morning he began the talk of his wife and child and desired Marchand to bring two or three miniature pictures to show me. He spoke of them with much feeling and affection. I feel, said he, the conduct of the allied sovereigns to be more cruel and unjustifiable towards me in that respect than in any other. Why should they deprive me the comforts of domestic society? and take from me what must be the dearest objects of affection to every man, my child, and the mother of that child. On his expressing himself as above, I looked him steadily in the face to observe whether he showed any emotion. The tears were standing in his eyes, and the whole of his countenance appeared evidently under the influence of a strong feeling of grief. There were two pictures of young Napoleon, one in the dress of a Polish dancer, and the other with long curly flowing ringlets. They both represented a fair, strong, chubby boy with features very much resembling those of his father. That of his mother, a very fair woman with good features, but by no means handsome. From the observations I was enabled to make, I very much doubt Monsieur Savary's statement that the passion of ambition was so completely overcome in his bosom. 
that had it been proposed to him again to ascend the throne of France, he would have declined it. And I do think that if he had succeeded in eluding the British cruisers and arrived in America, he would always have looked forward to returning to France. In all his conversation, he spoke of ambition as a quality absolutely necessary in a soldier. In one occasion, Savary spoke of Clavert, who was left by Napoleon in command of the army when he quitted Egypt. In terms of high encomium, this brought on a discussion upon the respective merits of that officer and to say whose aide-de-camp Savary had been during the negotiation of the Convention of Elrich. Bonaparte, speaking of Clavert, bestowed upon him great praise as an officer. But he added, he was deficient in one of the most necessary qualifications of a soldier, ambition. He was indolent, required constant spurring to say, and the contrary had all of his abilities, which were kept in constant activity by a mind whose ambition there was no satisfying. And had they both lived to the present period, he would have been the much greater of the two.